It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 130. Let's go to what I think should be the biggest news story of the week, but I've not seen it on any of our major news channels. Let's go to Ethiopia. Now, what you heard there was a church in Aksum, the Mariam Seon Church in Aksum. I think that was recorded about 2013. Well, it's been reported, and it seems as, this, as though this is substantial, a Belgium-based non-profit peace-building organization is reporting that 750 people were killed there in an attack on their church. They said that people who were hiding in the building were brought out and were shot one by one. The church is located in Tigray, uh, a region that is under attack from Ethiopian government forces. The locals believe that the Ark of the Covenant is kept there and that they thought that Ethiopian federal troops and Amhara militia were involved in it. But stop and think about that for a moment. 750 people killed in a church it is absolutely breathtaking and yet so little notice is taken of these things what of course does get taken notice of is the american presidency in fact the whole world seems obsessed by this although i would have to say i think it's the media world that's obsessed by it it is important but i'm not convinced it's that important. However, um, let's just uh, look at some of the things involved. Uh, first of all, President Trump saying goodbye. My fellow Americans, four years ago, we launched a great national effort to rebuild our country, to renew its spirit, and to restore the allegiance of this government to its citizens. In short, we embarked on a mission to make America great again, for all Americans. As I conclude my term as the 45th President of the United States, I stand before you truly proud of what we have achieved together. We did what we came here to do, and so much more. This week, we inaugurate a new administration and pray for its success in keeping America safe and prosperous. We extend our best wishes, and we also want them to have luck, a very important word. Now, I think his speech was extraordinary in lots of ways. It was full of banalities, full of how great America is. Actually, his and Biden's speech, in some sense, not all that much different. Although, of course, it's heresy to say that. But it struck me that one of the things that's so wrong here is this idea that, you know, they talk about faith, 
talk about God and talk about everything else. And then he says, basically, you need a lot of luck. You just got to understand luck. I, I honestly just don't think God's got anything to do with any of this. And then we'll come on to the new President Biden. Well, we, we do pray for him. We pray for all our, our political leaders in different countries. But he gave his speech. The battle is perennial and victory is never assured. Through civil war, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. No progress, only exhausting outrage. No nation, only a state of chaos. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. And we must meet this moment as the United States of America. I thought it was just completely banal. Um, you know, unity, peace, love, understanding, everyone's going to go for it, etc., etc., etc. I, I don't know. I mean, I might be out on a limb here. You know, it's funny. Some people got upset when I criticized Donald Trump and said, why don't you recognize him as the Lord's anointed and, you know, withdrew support from me. Well, too bad. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not here trying to curry favor with people. I'm just thinking about things out loud, trying to analyze things, I hope, from a Christian perspective. And Biden, you know, people are going to get really upset. I say, Biden's not the savior. You know what our media does? It treats Donald Trump like the devil and Biden like the savior. And and they give him such an easy time. Do you know, I think Donald Trump could have basically made exactly the same speech and it would have been reported entirely differently. So here's something that, uh, this is how American News is, is, is reporting Kamala Harris. We had to ask about that fashion choice, surely a first for a vice president, the Converse Chuck Taylor sneakers, the Chucks. I got to tell you, when you walked in, I checked out, is she wearing them? You're not wearing your Chucks today. No. What is the story? It became a story. I've always worn Chucks. It's my casual, casual go-to. You know, grew up with Chucks. I just love them. They're comfortable. I can attest. There is a several closets full of them. He's but, exaggerating. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chuck shoes, isn't that great? Chuck shoes. Look at the shoes that she's wearing. I'm sorry, I just think that's so patronizing. And so, in some in some ways, demeaning. But we're going to have much much more of this. Everything Joe Biden does is wonderful. Everything that Donald Trump did was bad. And that is how the world will look at things. I hope we're just going to look at things with a little more subtlety. One of the things that we look at is this. 88% of the U.S. Congress professes to be Christian, the newly elected Congress. There are uh, 
how much you put it, 468 members of the 117th Congress are Christian compared to 65% of the American public as a whole. Majority of the Christians identify as Protestant. Um, The largest single Protestant denomination is Baptist. They they make up 12.4% of the adherents of the Congress. Methodists, Anglicans, Presbyterians, Lutherans are statistically overrepresented. Uh, there are 158 Catholics, uh, roughly around 30% of the U.S. population, whereas Catholics are about 20% of the U.S. population. There are nine Mormons and seven Orthodox Christians. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if 88% of Congress really were Christian? But I think it goes to show, just as with President Trump's speech, with President Biden's speech, I think it just goes to show that the understanding of the term Christian has become largely meaningless. Anyway, look, let's go to, I think, a better time. I wish President Biden will turn out to be more like Carter. And there was this wonderful clip I got sent of Bob Dylan and Jimmy Carter meeting together. Bob Dylan and his band performed in Atlanta, and I was governor. So I invited Bob Dylan and the band to the governor's mansion. And my sons were very eager to be with the band. And And I was honored because Bob Dylan asked me to go out in the garden, as a matter of fact, and have a private conversation with him. And the only questions he asked me were questions about my Christian faith and what it meant to me and basic principles of it. When I first met Jimmy, first thing he did was quote my songs back to me. And it was the first time that I realized my songs had reached into, uh, basically into the establishment world. And I had no experience in that realm never seen that side so it made me a little uneasy he uh, put my mind at ease by uh, not talking down to me and uh, showing me that he had a sincere appreciation of uh, the songs I'd written Many try to stop me shake me up in my mind Isn't that fantastic that Carter remembers that all that Dylan wanted to talk to him about was his Christian faith and he wanted a private conversation with him about that I, I hope and pray that, of course, Jimmy Carter is one of the Southern Baptists, but I hope and pray that Bob Dylan really is a Christian. I, I, I find it impossible almost to believe that the man who wrote Slow Train Coming didn't know the Lord. Um, he may have backslidden and maybe a lot of other things, but it's, yeah, that was just such, such an interesting clip to hear. Baby, baby. I'd get down on my knees for you If you would only love me Like you used to do, yeah We had a love, a love, a love you don't find every day You've lost that loving feeling. Apparently the most played song 
on radio in the world. Um, it's part of Phil Spector's wall of sound. Phil Spector, revolutionary music producer. He died aged 81 and he was in prison for murder. I did see one obituary that almost seemed not to mention that, but how you can miss it out, I do not know. Incredibly sad when talented people end up like that. And of course, human beings, sometimes that's where we we end up going. But here's somebody who is incredibly brave. Do you know you're Russian? Listen to this. That's Alexei Navalny, who is the opposition leader in Russia. He was poisoned, almost certainly by Putin's agents, and this week he returned to Russia. He must be one of the bravest people in the world. That sound you heard there was him being arrested. It's a wonderful short video of his wife actually wiping tears from his eyes as he's taken away. His flight, his arrest, his goodbye to his wife, it's all been documented on social media. You know what Navalny has done? Something something almost Christ-like. He's given up his freedom out of commitment to his country. We, we pray for Russia, just such a wonderful, wonderful country. And, and, and I pray for that man. I've just been reading Solzhenitsyn's Gulag again, and it's just the most incredibly moving book. And speaking of authoritarian regimes, China. China. There's a, a great article in The Spectator about the Chinese Communist Party's repression. It's just continuing. And it's not just the Uyghur Muslims. It's also Christians. It's also Falun Gong. Um, I pass them pretty well every week at St. Andrew's Cathedral on George Street here in, in Sydney, drawing attention to the repression that they face. It's bloggers, it's journalists, it's lawyers, it's people who dare to... Uh, speak out about what happened in Wuhan. It's arbitrary arrests and disappearance and imprisonment and torture and forced televised confessions and forced organ harvesting and slave labor and an Orwellian surveillance state. And it's all there. It's kidnapping Chinese people from other countries and taking them back to China. It is slave labor. There are at least 83 well-known brands who are involved in this, including some of those who said they were going to close down Donald Trump because they didn't want a dictator, but they're quite happy. They're happy to employ Chinese slaves for their products so that their products can be made cheaply. Well, this week, the UK government defeated a move which would have required ministers to consider any trade deal with a nation found to be committing genocide. Disingenuously, it was defeated by 309 to 308. Greg Hans, the Trade Minister, opposed the amendment as a denial of parliamentary supremacy, as if Parliament is ever going to deal with this. And I was sickened by the hypocrisy of the Scottish Nationalists and others as well, who complain rightly about this, but at the same time welcome the EU having a trade deal with China. 
it looks, and I wonder about this with Biden as well, I wonder if trade and money are going to, excuse the pun, trump human rights. Anyway, I came across this this old clip of Tony Benn, and it seems prescient to me. Listen to this. See, I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people, and secondly, demoralize them. An educated, healthy, and confident nation is harder to govern. And I think there's an element in the thinking of some people. We don't want people to be educated, healthy, and confident because they would get out of control. (laughs) That's what governments do. They frighten, demoralize. Educate, healthy, and confident nations are hard to govern. Now, I'm not saying that in the UK or America or Australia that that is... It it is as deliberate or as as conspiratorial as that. But I do think that we are moving into a very authoritarian phase of our culture and society. Uh, Biden in his speech talked about it being a triumph of democracy. No, listen, when Trump was elected, that was a triumph of democracy. When Biden was elected, that was a triumph of democracy. But I think there are less and less people who understand what democracy is and adhere to it. And I think there is more than a creeping authoritarianism creeping into Western culture, almost with a slight envy of the Chinese government. And part of that is seen in the identity politics. Again, it's fascinating for me that Biden says we've got to unite people and then he plays the identity politics card, which specifically divides people. And I've got a couple of examples of that. One is, this is brilliant, Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I keep trying to guess what's going to happen. I can never get it as mad as it actually is. There was an article in the Washington Post by Christina Beltran, which talks about multiracial whiteness. You know, there are some women who are not really real women, and there are black people who are the wrong kind of black people. That's really what this article is saying. This uh, lady claims to be an anti-racist, And she associates everything she dislikes with whiteness, which seems to me a very racial position, a racist position, but that's fine. And she argues now that whiteness can be a a quality espoused by people who are not actually white. So if you were to say, for example, call a Muslim a terrorist or demand that undocumented immigrants be rounded up and deported or you dislike BLM, then that's whiteness. And you could be a black person or a Chinese person or a Korean person, an Indian person, but then you're white. I love Titania McGrath's tweet, which went, you know, the satirist. As a white person of color, I'm extremely worried about the rise of black whiteness. All right, here's a very old song. We can't play it all. We'll play a bit of it. Listen to this. You see, sir, when I look at the ace in my deck of cards, it reminds me there is but one God. The deuce tells me that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and the New Testaments. When I see the tray, I think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And when I look at the four, I think of the four great evangelists who preached the gospel. There were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was Tex Ritter. Oh, it's just such a corny song, Deck of Cards. The ace reminds me of the one God and, and so on. Um, why did I think it by you? You should go and listen to the whole song. It's, it's. Uh, I, I think it's. 
fascinating. Um, I couldn't listen to it too much. But there's a card fan, a woman called Indy Melink, age 23, who, when she was playing cards, you know how in a deck of cards you've got a king and a queen and a jack and so on? And she decided that she would design her own deck of cards with gold, silver and blondes in place of the king, queen and jack cards because of the hierarchical system whereby the king is worth more than the queen and that subtly influences people to think men are more important than than women. um, She's been selling these cards uh, all over the world. Come on guys, you got to get with it. It was going to be a whole lot more of this stuff. And when I see the king, sir, I know there is but one king of heaven, God Almighty. When I see the queen, I think of the blessed Virgin Mary, the queen of heaven. And the jack, or knave, is the devil. All right, let me have a little bit of good news um, to do with COVID. I haven't reported on the COVID figures and the vaccinations and everything else. But a potential vaccine for multiple sclerosis could come out of the mRNA vaccine by biotech, maker of the Pfizer vaccine. Um, It looks as though that this is a real possibility. So far, studies in mice show that it slows down enormously uh, multiple MS progression. That could be really, really good news. Okay, um, one of the things I associate with home is this. I don't know, whenever I hear that music, and the music, by the way, is called um, Barwick Green. Now, it may be, it may be that some of you don't actually know what it is the theme tune for. And, you know, I forgive you for being cultural ignoramuses. It is, that is The Archers, a, the longest running soap opera in the world. It was first broadcast in 1951 on the BBC, initially billed as an everyday story of country folk. Now it's billed as a contemporary drama in a rural setting. Has six episodes a week, although with COVID, I think they've cut that down to four. Um... It just reminds me, my mother listens to it all the time, and when I hear that tune, I just think of the kitchen at home and baking and so on. It's just one of those evocative sounds, a bit like the the shipping forecast or, um, you know, there are other sounds that are great memories, and the Archer's theme tune is one. I've never really listened to the Archer's, and I doubt I could now, um, because, of course as with almost everything else in the BBC, it's heading down the woke route as well. As Peter Hitchens pointed out a long time ago, it's become a vehicle for liberal and left-wing values and agendas with characters behaving out of character to achieve those goals. Because we all know there is only one true religion, and that's woke liberal progressivism. And just as the archers was initially used after the Second World War to help teach farmers about good agricultural practice, now these soap operas are used to help indoctrinate us all to make sure we have the cor- correct, the right, the woke progressive doctrine. All right, um, I'm going to leave you with now. We've had... <laughs> 
an old song, we've had The Archers. I'm going to leave you with this. It is someone sent it to me. It is Witch Hazel. Now, I don't know much about Witch Hazel. They are described as a medieval English heavy metal band, and it appears as though they are a Christian. This is uh, the song that's playing. This is a song, uh, I Am Redeemed. Christian heavy metal. I used to laugh at that, but you know, don't knock it until you try it, because um, I actually there's a lot of it I, I I really love, and I think this is wonderful. Actually, I think that um, redemption redeemed. Do you know this? Joe Biden's not going to save America. America's not going to save the world. Putin's not going to save Russia. Nor Nal- Navalny. Is it Alexei? Is it Navalny? Um, Xi Jinping is not the savior of China. Scott Morrison. Or Anthony Albanese are not the saviors of Australia, the leadership in Malaysia or India or Brazil or Argentina. They're not going to save their countries. And actually, no one can save you except Christ. He is the Redeemer. And it's a wonderful thing to be set free by the Redeemer. So, if you want to support Podbean Fundraiser, please go to it and please do so. That would be great. You want to comment, please do so. Great to get so many comments from last week. And it seems as though it's going to be the most downloaded episode we've ever done. And great to get ideas as well and news. Keep, keep doing it. Keep passing it on. All right. God bless you. See you next week. <laughs>